Hey there, everyone. It's me, Danny, and welcome to Understanding Kindness. Today's episode is inspired by the first episode of a podcast by Indigenous Action titled Acknowledge This. Perhaps from the title and the podcast name, you could guess what today's episode will be about. At the root of it, though, I want to recognize mistakes I've made, learn from those that I've hurt with my mistakes, and use this episode and segments from future episodes to begin to reconcile those mistakes. I fully intend to continue fighting alongside and supporting our Indigenous siblings in a variety of ways, this just being one. Of course, I'm sure, there may be more I can do to better accomplish this goal, so please feel free to let me know. Hopefully I'm able to elevate and shine light on the voices that my land acknowledgements strive to, well, acknowledge. If you're ready for this smattering of ideas and recommendations, keep listening, and welcome to this episode of Understanding Kindness. Alright everyone, calm down. We're working on it. We'll have a theme song soon, okay? <laughs> so, this part is a little weird now since this whole episode pertains to the land acknowledgement segment. Instead of what I've done in the past few episodes since and adding the land acknowledgement, I'd like to do something more in-depth. In future episodes, this segment will be different from today's, but it will hold the central theme of elevating voices of Indigenous individuals and clans and encourage non-Natives to create change inspired by what our Indigenous siblings tell us they need. One difference with today's episode is that I will be coming back to the land acknowledgement, or whatever I end up calling it, at the end so that I can talk through the points in the Indigenous Action podcast episode. And you'll see how I'm trying to create a better acknowledgement segment going forward. Hopefully, by the end of the episode, I'm able to come up with something that is thoughtful and helpful to our Indigenous siblings. Whoa there, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, though. Gotta thank my patron while we're here. Thank you so, so much, Meg B. I can't tell you how much your support means to me and just to my process in general, I love seeing that somebody cares, so you are the coolest. Okay, now on with the show. I'm not entirely sure where I found this podcast called Indigenous Action. I'm guessing it popped up on some page that I follow. The podcast, quote, digs deep into critical issues impacting indigenous communities throughout Occupied America slash Turtle Island. It's an autonomous, anti-colonial broadcast with unapologetic and claws-out analysis towards total liberation, end quote. Turtle Island is the name that indigenous Americans use to refer to North America, which comes from a common indigenous creation story. So the podcast is done by three Native individuals that host episodes and talk with one or more Native guests about how indigenous communities are impacted by colonialism to this day and how to combat that while striving for complete liberation for all. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and a few tend to end up adding to my subscription library before I've had the chance to actually listen. This one was sitting there for probably a few months before I finally got around to listening to the first episode. I did see it sitting there waiting for me, though. An episode titled, Acknowledge This. Now, I believe I found this podcast after having wrote the first episode with a land acknowledgement in it, and once I saw the title... I immediately began questioning my practice. True, I didn't actually know what they were going to say in the episode, but I could feel the sarcasm in the title and had the feeling that I'd be needing to change something for future episodes. Once I started listening, my intuitions were proved right. 
I began listening to Indigenous people talk about how the thing that I just started doing because I thought it would be helpful to them was not actually helpful to them. This inherently felt pretty bad. I was being told that my efforts weren't amounting to anything and, in fact, just adding to the bureaucratic bullshit. Throughout the episode, six natives discussed their thoughts on land acknowledgments slash statements. The overall consensus was that typical land acknowledgments tend to be empty words with no meaning behind them. They discuss how this is particularly not surprising, considering all the treaties that have been written up and then just ignored by the U.S. and Canadian governments. This is nothing new to Indigenous folks. These empty words are the precise reason that land acknowledgments have done nothing to help those it's specifically designed to acknowledge. So before I get too far, I want to say that I believe each person in the episode mentioned that if there was action behind the words spoken in the land acknowledgments, specifically to give land back, then this would be a different conversation. It may not even be a conversation at all, because in the end, all Indigenous people want is to have the land given back to them and herself and for all of us to be free from colonialism. Now let me talk a bit about the land. It was mentioned in the Indigenous Action episode that Indigenous peoples tend to be synonymous with land. In my understanding, the land is her own and Natives are the caretakers of the land. And in Natives' views, taking care of the land is what makes someone Native to a place. One of the individuals on the episode, it's hard for me to know who is who just yet, they discussed listening to the land and abiding by what she says. This resonated with me a lot, and I want to expand on it a little bit. I'm hoping that my expansion on this is appropriate and in alignment with the way of thinking that Indigenous peoples tend to have. I'm thinking of something that just happened a few days ago, as of this writing, on the 25th of December when I was at my sister's house visiting. Let me say real quick that I had COVID-19 two months ago, but have still been, of course, keeping distance, quarantining, and washing hands frequently. According to research, an individual has three months after the last sign of symptoms when they cannot contract nor spread the virus. Of course, though, I'm still taking lots of precautions, and this visit was the first time I'd seen my sister and her family in a couple months. So, anyway, my eight-year-old niece was chasing the dog Clark around trying to pick him up. He was responding by running away and jumping out of her arms if or when she managed to grab him. On one of her failed attempts, I told her that it was obvious Clark didn't want to be picked up. He isn't an aggressive dog at all and doesn't bark much, so his constant running away and leaping out of her arms was the only indicator we had here. My niece then told me that she wanted to pick him up, though. I told her she should listen to what Clark's telling her. She looked at me like I had a bag of garbage on my head and said, how can I listen to him? He can't talk. I looked back at her and said, we can listen to his body language. If he's running away from you, he doesn't want to be picked up. You can listen to that. She proceeded to roll her eyes, but left him alone, at least for the time being. It was sad to me that my niece believed the only way we could listen to someone is in the words they speak to us. That limits our listening to individuals who can speak a language, and in her case, only individuals who can speak English. One of the great things, I believe, about being human animals is that we can use and understand multiple ways to speak and converse with one another. Something that many of us have forgotten, and this forgetting is a strategy done purposefully, is to listen to everyone around us. Listen to non-human animals around us, to the plants around our house and in our gardens, to the trees outside, to the land herself. 
if we actually really listen, we can understand what they're all saying to us. They can help teach us how to be human animals. They can teach us how to live in harmony with everyone. We've got to stop talking so much and taking so much. Earth is responding to us and we've been refusing to listen. Our wants are not the most important thing. What do you think human animals did before they could get anything they could ever want? If you remember anything from episode 16, you could guess that they were a lot happier, more creative, and more grateful. Can't we see that a route like that is obviously better for everyone? This now is reminding me of a book I just read called Ishmael by Daniel Quinn. It was written in 1992 and attempts to answer the question how things came to be this way. The book discusses culture on Earth before and after the agricultural revolution. Human-animal culture before the agricultural revolution was based around hunting and gathering, but also, of course, included all the other facets of culture like music, dance, art, language, etc. This culture, performed by people the book calls leavers, is about tending to the land and learning from all that is around us. The other culture, the culture that came about once the agricultural revolution began, the culture of the takers, as the book calls them, is based in man being godlike, in man having the ability to control everything he wishes to, hunger, life, death. This culture, the taker culture, is how most of us currently live. Because takers believe that man was created to control whatever he pleases, we see him take from the land whatever he pleases, take from non-human animals whatever he pleases, take from human animals whatever he pleases. Because this taker culture has taken over so much of earth for so long, that's thousands of years, people, we are now, in our lifetime, seeing the true, devastating effects of what a taker culture does. It takes and takes and takes until there is literally nothing left. If we continue as we are, we know that climate change will end our species on Earth, along with many other species, I'm sure. Sure, those of us that are here now may not have to reap those consequences, but it is certain that our descendants will if nothing changes. We are here at this moment in time when we can make decisions to change. And I've got some really great news for you. There are still leavers here. Despite the takers' attempts to kill and exterminate everyone that does not agree with their, quote, one true way to live, ugh, I roll, there are still leavers here. They're here, and we are living on their stolen land. The land that the Leavers' ancestors cared for for millions of years, learning from generation to generation how best to live with the land and with all of the beings of Earth. So, knowing this now, where do we go from here? Let's circle back to the beginning of the episode and listen to what the natives of the Indigenous Action Podcast have to say. They are descendants of the Leavers that were killed by the Takers, claiming they knew the one true way to live. They are the peoples that have been fighting the Taker regime since its inception, fighting the Taker mentality that man has been created as the pinnacle of creation, and there is no evolving from here. 
Lever or indigenous peoples have learned over millions of years, passed down from generation to generation to generation, how to live on Earth with the millions of other beings here. And of course, no two indigenous peoples are the same. Each group of peoples came from very different places on this Earth. Places with different climates, with different non-human animals, with different plant life, with different terrain. Each of these peoples adapted to their own environment and how they could best live given their conditions. No set of indigenous peoples follow all the same cultural rules, but they do all have one thing in common. They live with the land and with all of the beings and life around them. They've honed their skills and knowledge through millions of years of trial and error, and for some reason, takers believe that their brand new, relatively speaking of course, sophisticated way of life is the one true way to live. In our thinking brains, does that seem to make sense to us? Now, let's go back and talk about the land acknowledgement. It's clear that simply making a statement to acknowledge that you're occupying land that was stolen from peoples that were already inhabiting it and caring for it is not even close to enough. It's actually, essentially nothing at all. Empty words with no action. So how do we change that? We do some action, put meaning behind our words, listen to what our indigenous siblings need, and try to deliver that. What indigenous folks are asking for is not absurd, it's not out of the question, it's not even radical. It's simply doing the right thing. It's righting the wrongs that many of our ancestors did when they came here preaching that their God was the only God and their way of life was the one true way to live. And when they came here to murder natives of this land when they refused to assimilate. It's been evident from the beginning that the colonizers did not care to hear about the native waves of North America slash Turtle Island or about compromise. Why would we want to continue upholding a culture that exterminates anyone with a different opinion? How can you be sure that your opinion on how to live may not one day be seen as different and in need of extermination in a place where the goalpost is constantly moved and someone's word holds no meaning behind it? In future episodes of this podcast, I'll use the land acknowledgement or indigenous segment section to talk about specific issues going on in indigenous communities, possibly and likely issues that affect us all. I will strive to learn more about how to right these wrongs and put action into making change happen. I'll use this platform to continually talk about indigenous peoples and to call on all of you listening to incite change. Natives are here every day not just on specific holidays dedicated to them, not just when sacred land is being threatened by some company's desire to continue making more and more money. Check out stopline3.org for some info on an example of that happening right now. And that was stopline3.org. There'll be a link in the episode notes. They deserve to be talked about and highlighted every day until their demands are met, which are clearly outlined and very simple, Give the land back and stop the colonial regime. We can take action to aid in our indigenous siblings' fight. In the episode notes, I'll link to resources to check out, such as Indigenous Action's website, where you can learn more about indigenous action, see pieces of native-inspired artwork, read news covered from an indigenous clause-out perspective, listen to their podcast, read zines covering specific topics surrounding decolonialization, and contribute either with services or money. 
I'll also link to a site I heard of from the Indigenous Action Podcast called Indigenous Kinship Collective. You can also access news covered from Native perspectives there, and you can learn about mutual aid and MMIWGT2S, meaning Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, Trans, Gender Nonconforming, and Two-Spirit People. If that's a whole acronym, it's got to be a pretty big thing, huh? And you can find ways to support and donate there, which I'll link in the episode notes as well. Those include the Navajo and Hopi Families COVID-19 Relief Fund, the Kinship Collective Mutual Aid Fund, a toolkit for supporters of our relatives in Unistoten, and a fund to support the tiny house warriors in unceded Shwepmek territory. The links include information on each episode and an easy way to donate. I'm continuing to learn and grow with y'all. I'm sharing these resources because I don't want you to just listen to me about these things. I'm not the one you need to be listening to. We all need to listen to Indigenous folks and then proceed with action and create change. So, for our recommendations today, of course, first up, we've got Acknowledge This by the Indigenous Action Podcast. I'd really recommend any episode by them, but this episode specifically sheds light on how the U.S. and Canada and colonizers in general, make empty promises and use empty words to make themselves look better, when in reality the intention behind the words was never even there. Seeing this can allow us to look at our society more critically, and that's a big reason for me recommending this episode to you today. Next up is the book Ishmael by Daniel Quinn. Wow, this book, it's just so good. If you've always felt a little confused or like something wasn't right in your life or our society or culture or world, this book will help you find the answers to those questions that maybe you didn't even know how to ask. I can't recommend this one enough. It's one in a trilogy of books by that author that apparently isn't even the best one. I haven't read the others yet, but you bet they're on my list and as soon as I can find them somewhere, I'll be reading them as well. For now, this one is a great place to start. As always, links to find these recs will be in the episode notes. If you enjoyed this episode, help support the podcast. All this content is free, and I'd love to make it my job one day. So if you're financially able, join our Patreon or send a one-time or recurring donation through PayPal. You can also share an episode with family or friends and give UK a kind rating and review. Check out understandingkindness.com for all episodes, transcripts, and blog posts. And why not take a listen to my other podcast, Better When Awkward, co-hosted by my childhood best friend, Jasmine. Get in touch with me by emailing understandingkindness at protonmail.com or through social media. You can find all links in the episode notes. For now, be kind, be compassionate, be understanding, and question everything. I'll be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Understanding Kindness.